630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. On the tube here, minute and a half left in the first quarter. Hamilton with a 10-0 lead in Montreal. But, of course, one of the stories in the Canadian Football League was the game that wasn't played last night. That was supposed to be your Edmonton Elks at the Toronto Argos. We've been covering the Elks' COVID story all week long. Good news today, no positive tests for the Elks. So this uh, makes me feel a little better about them getting back at practice next week and playing in Calgary on Labor Day Monday. But we're going to get a full update on uh, the COVID situation and some other elk storylines right now from the president and CEO of the team, Chris Presson. Chris, you're on with Reed. Thanks for making the time to do this. You bet. Thanks for having me. First of all, Chris, I'm wondering if you can update the health of the 14 players on your team who have had positive COVID tests in the last few days? Yeah, I think in general, Reed, they're doing uh, as well as can be expected. They're young and in-shape athletes, so I think comparatively speaking, uh, they're fine. We do have one individual who did require additional treatment uh, for another issue related um, somewhat to COVID, but something that was underlying as well, and uh, he seems to be on the mend as well, so I appreciate you asking. Uh, and maybe it's too soon to ask this, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Have any Are any of these players considered recovered from COVID yet, or are we not there yet? You know, I don't think we're there yet. I think we need to continue to see these negative test results. As you mentioned, today was actually a great day because it's the first day in quite some time we've had no positives. I think we need two more days of that. And I'll feel much better about saying yes to that question, but I'm hoping that uh, we're on the mend for sure. Chris, you, you know, this has been uh, a, a pretty a pretty hot topic in the city, as you know. Uh, you know, look, a lot of your fans are, are unhappy that a game they wanted to watch didn't get played yesterday, regardless of, of the reason. And, and I'm, I'm, I think I've been pretty careful not to victim blame in this. I, we recognize that what makes COVID, uh, you know, dangerous and why we've reacted this way is that it is highly contagious. Having said that, there are other teams and other leagues that have had minimal or no delays as a result of COVID. Unfortunately, the Elks are a team that are, are on the list of, of, of clubs that have had had a delay and a postponement and maybe even a forfeiture. So I, I, that's the context for I'm asking if you have found out wh- what happened. And I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to blame anybody or, or suggest that people didn't follow protocols. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I do think it's fair to ask what happened because you are one of the teams who have had a delay here. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And certainly uh, we wish we weren't in this position. And when you look again across the globe, there are a number of teams and a number of leagues who may not have had it, but some other team did. And I think that's where we are. I think the challenging thing, Reed, is you can do everything right or you can do something very little that you deem to be wrong and touch it. You know, i give you the example of, you know, you could be married with kids and do everything right, and your kids go to the grocery store and bring it home, or vice versa. So I think that's the challenge is we're so used to living everyday life as we are used to living it, and when you have to deviate from that and you can't live that life, everyday tasks all of a sudden become more magnified because they're things you shouldn't be doing. And uh, I wish I could tell you where we contracted it and how it got in our locker room. But as you alluded to, it's so scary because we don't know the answer to the question. All I do know is that we need to be much more cautious going forward. Okay. Would you, would you say that 
you're, you're comfortable that key people in your organization have been respectful of COVID and respectful of the protocols? Yeah, I think so. And again, uh, my gut tells me that, you know, the everyday life thing may have gotten in the way. You know, maybe you go to the grocery store and you're not supposed to, and you don't think you're doing anything wrong, but you pass someone who may or may not have it, or you touch a service where it may or may not, a surface where it may or may not exist. And, uh, you know, that could be one possibility, but there are many. And uh, again, I wish we could pinpoint exactly where it came from and from whom, because we certainly would uh, take a, di- a different path and make sure that we don't t- go down that same path again. You know, Chris, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna incorporate an email I got from a listener this afternoon into my next question. Uh, who who also identified himself as a longtime Elk seasons ticket holder, so he's invested in the game. Like I said, he's disappointed or invested in the team. He's disappointed there wasn't a game yesterday. And I know you touched on uh, in your comments this afternoon that 83.5 percent of your roster. Um, you know, has at least one one needle, I think, and it's a, or right around 80% are double vaxxed. But the point that, that David, the Elks fan, made in the email to me was that this is a team environment, and should people in a team environment not hold themselves to a higher standard than, you know, the provincial average or, or the Canadian average, because their livelihoods and their performance depend on each other, and by extension the you know the people who who spend time and money to watch the elks are, are also affected by this well what, what do you say about david's suggestion that there should yeah, be a higher think, standard yeah i think that's a fair statement and i can't disagree with that and i think again when you compare the numbers the canadian average is 66.8 percent obviously we're at 83.2 so i feel like we have held ourselves to a higher standard when you compare that to the united states 52.5 percent we're 83.5%, so we're at a higher standard. So I think we've done that. Um, when you look at the professional athlete, certainly he needs to do that. And, uh, again, can we always be better? Of course we can. But I think um, in terms of what I can compare to, I think we've done a pretty nice job at this point. We're just the unfortunate team that has uh, made it to and through an outbreak, we hope, and let's just hope it doesn't happen to another team. I, I just want to ask you something else related to this uh, bef- before we get into some scheduling and, and sort of look ahead issues with your stadium and travel and things like that. You know, look, yeah, Eddie Steele was on the show last night. He played for the Elks. He said he's still in touch with current players. He's concerned about maybe divide is too strong of a word, but certainly, you know, uncomfortable situations in the locker room, whether it's debate around vaccines or uh, how people are treating the protocols. Do you or Brock or Jamie share that concern about this creating any sort of rift among the players? I don't think so. Um, I think we're unified as a group from top to bottom and we're as disappointed that we couldn't play last night as anyone else. And, um, you know, for us not to be able to bring a game to our fans that we had on our schedule when we were supposed to have played it is is something that, um, you know, we're in this every day, all day. So there's no one more disappointed than we are. And I can assure you there's no one disappointed more so than our players. So uh, we share in that sentiment around the, the feeling of not being able to play, but I don't sense any discord with our players. I think there's great unity from top to bottom. And you've been around a long time. And this either galvanizes a team or it tears it apart. We'll see which we are. 
Chris Preston joining us on Inside Sports, president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks. Again, no positive COVID tests for the team today. Chris is uh, updating us on some other key elements of that story. And uh, I'll ask you that one. Is is there an update on the on the Toronto game? Man, oh man, nobody wants that one nothing loss to show up, Chris, as a forfeiture. Do you know anything about a yeah, reschedule? I- I'm actually sitting in my driveway. I haven't even made it in my door yet. The reason being is I just got off a phone call related to that, and things seem to be headed in the right direction. Certainly can't confirm anything at this point, but nonetheless, we're working hard to live up to our word, which was this was a postponement, not a cancellation. And uh, we've seen a nice movement today and cooperation from a lot of people, so I'm feeling better uh, to be able to confirm that relatively soon. I just hope that... Uh, the next couple of obstacles we have to hop over, we can do just that. Do, do I read into that that other teams would also have to participate in having their games moved around beyond just you and the Argos? You're a smart individual, but I can't continue to do that. And I would just say that there are other key stakeholders that are involved and that we need help from. And we've gotten great help today from a couple, and we need uh, some more help from a couple more. And uh, if we can achieve that, which I do feel confident we can, then uh, we'll be off to the races. Okay. And uh, what's your confidence level that Labor Day at Calgary will indeed be played? You know, I feel good about it. If we don't have any negative tests tomorrow and if we don't have any negative tests on Sunday, um, to me that's a key element, knowing that we need a few days of negative tests in a row. And uh, we've got one under our belt, which is a big milestone, although it may not seem like it to some. It is to us. And we just have to hope and pray that tomorrow and Sunday bring the same thing. If that's the case, um, Monday should follow suit. Uh, Tuesday, we would be out of isolation. And Wednesday, we would have players back in the facility. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that's how it works out. Speaking of back in the facility, uh, fans will be going back on September 11th for the Labor Day rematch against the Calgary Stampeders. OEG announced earlier this week proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test within 48 hours of game time for fans to attend an Edmonton Oilers game. Is there any update on uh, proof of vaccination status or and or negative test status for fans to attend Commonwealth Stadium? Yeah, I had a number of great conversations today that make me feel good about the direction we're headed. I would suggest to you that uh, we may have some news as early as Monday on that. Again, I still have a couple of key stakeholders to connect with, but I'm feeling good about uh, the safety of our fans and, and players. Okay, well, I'll look forward to that on uh, on Monday. Uh, another story that has come up, and, and I saw Randy Ambrosi being interviewed by Dave Naylor earlier this week, about I, I think it's I think it's the end of October. You, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. That to to fly, you would have to be double vaccinated. That obviously would affect pro athletes and coaches because they're um, always traveling. What do you know about this? And is this perhaps another um, sort of little spur, perhaps for for your players and coaches to get vaccinated if they aren't? Well, as you suggested, I, it will be a federal mandate. As I understand, there's an election on September 20th. I firmly believe that uh, this will be mandated. I firmly believe that it will be in place in mid-October. I have no reason to believe it won't, which means that it, it really requires anyone who is traveling by air, sea, or land to be fully vaccinated. That would include us. And so, again, when you look to where we are and where we need to be, uh, if you're a player, you would need to become vaccinated under that scenario within the next really four to five weeks in order to travel with the team to future games. So uh, I think it's certainly a step in the right direction in terms of encouraging vaccinations. And clearly, 
This isn't coming from the league. This isn't coming from the team. This is a federal mandate, I believe, will be in place by uh, the middle of October. Okay. Well, Chris, I, I think we covered a lot of ground. I, I do appreciate you speaking to it live here on Inside Sports. Was there anything I missed or anything you felt you feel that people need to hear before we sign off here? No, not at all. I just appreciate the support and hang with us. It's been a tough uh, last seven to ten days, and we're working our way through it. And today was a ray of sunshine and a ray of hope, and let's just hope tomorrow brings the same. Chris, thanks for the update. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Chris Preston on the line, the president and CEO of your Edmonton Elks. So no COVID test today. Um, He said, you know, the the players are doing well. There was uh, one individual who needed some additional treatment because of an issue on top of having COVID. Um, You know, as he he said, still not exactly sure how this happened. Uh, he, he, He feels that they have held themselves to a higher standard than the the quote-unquote general public i you know i've certainly I, like i said i received an email from somebody this afternoon who who didn't agree with that he said the team should be a hundred percent because it's a team environment but preston says yeah you know we're uh up at 83 and a half percent with one needle just under 80 with two keynote in there well one of many the Toronto game, it sounds very much like is going to be rescheduled. As you know, I have expressed concern of a forfeiture that would result in a one nothing loss for the Elks. Uh, as Chris indicated, well, I indicated it, and he didn't disagree, that there may be other teams here willing or that, that will move games around. So the Edmonton-Toronto game can be fit in somewhere, and uh, it should be a go for Labor Day. He, he touched on some other things as well. All right, now 10-7, Hamilton leading Montreal about four minutes into the second quarter, Friday night football. Just had Chris Presson on the show, so it sounds like an announcement coming Monday about uh, proof of vaccination and or a negative test needed to attend games for the Elks at Commonwealth Stadium. And uh, Preston also touching on the fact that, uh, yeah, the players are going to be have to be vaccinated to fly later on in the season. And uh, as you know, there aren't a lot of games that teams drive to in the Canadian Football League. We have Tom at 780-496-0063. Tom, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Thank you. Just listen to uh, the president there. I'm not impressed with 83.5%. If the Elks are going to be uh, people who are going to be leaders in the community, we should be at 100% and nothing less than that. 100% should not be allowed to come to camp. And if you want to talk about numbers, 100% of the other teams have not had any games cancelled. So I think the Elks should be at a higher standard, and I think this hiding behind 83.5 is bullshit. I'm sorry, this is crap. Yeah, it's okay, Tom. I've, I've heard some strong language in, 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 in relation to this. Are you a season seat holder? I am. Yeah, and, and are you? have you been going to the games, and will you continue to go? Of course. But I'm yeah. disappointed that, that, and I also listened to the press conference. I thought he had a bit of an attitude. I, I mean, I know he has to stand behind the team, but these are professional athletes, and if I was a team member and I lost 7% of my salary, 114th, I'd be some pissed at my fellow teammates that basically haven't shown the regard to me or the team or the community. Well, and I think if you've listened to me earlier this week, Tom, I think that's part of the story for me. To me, to me, this isn't let's debate vaccines and anti-vaxxers. 
to me, this is rules for players to be responsible to each other and to be responsible to their fans. And, and you know, guys, you know, they, it sounds like the game's going to be rescheduled, but it, it might have not been. And, and there's not going to be room to reschedule more games if this happens again. Right. And and it costs it costs people like you and me a chance to sit and watch Elks football after having no games um, last year. And, and I think that the, the organization should consider that. It sounds like um, Chris was and I, w- I would agree. I think his tone was different with me than it was this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, and I, I mentioned I uh, got a couple notes uh, on email this afternoon inside sports at 630 chedcom I'm going to read uh, part of. Uh, one message I received. This one had some language too. I'm going to have to edit out. Uh, David said, I'm a longtime Elks season seat holder. I'm listening to the Preds conference. What crap comparing the Elks vaccination percentage to provincial percentages, 83 and a half percent is shameful for a team. It should be 100. I am this close to tearing up my season seats. And uh, David also says time to require proof of vaccination for admission to Commonwealth too, which again, I think is coming on Monday. Well, we appreciate you tuning in tonight as we roll into the weekend. I can tell you that the Blue Jays and the Tigers are tied 1-1 in the middle of the fifth. We'll keep you updated on that one. And of course, Friday night football in progress in Montreal. The Alouettes trailing Hamilton 13-7. That's about halfway through the second quarter. BC and Ottawa will play tomorrow. And then on Sunday, it's Calgary and Winnipeg. We just had Elks president and CEO Chris Preston on the show, and he sounded very confident that the Elks game in Toronto will be rescheduled. He uh, he indicated, well, he I guess he indicated it by not denying what I suggested in a question that other teams are are going to move games around as well. So uh, the Elks Argos game can be uh, fit in and played. So I imagine at at some point in the near future, we will see a revised CFL schedule. Also expect on Monday that the Elks will announce proof of vaccination rules to attend future games at Commonwealth Stadium. Some of the highlights from that interview, which we will uh, discuss more as we move along tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I uh, read an email I got this afternoon. You can always email me inside sports at 630ched.com. I was uh, I was looking online the other day, actually yesterday, and I saw an announcement about a raffle for Hockey Helps the Homeless. So that is a great opportunity to have Ron Lowe on the show, the former goaltender, assistant coach, head coach for the uh, Edmonton Oilers checking in tonight. Well, Ron, this is great to have you on on a Friday night. How's life? Hey, man, I hear it's going to be... 10 degrees out there tonight, and uh, I teed off yesterday morning here in sunny Dauphin, Manitoba, and it was plus three. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I, yeah, I golfed uh, Tuesday morning, and it was, I think it was only nine, but yeah, three was like, there must was there still some frost hanging around or what? Uh, there was, there was no frost. They said it just was real close, but uh, didn't really make it. It was, it was a chilly morning, though. Well, I I, I I don't know how often you, you listen to the show. I expect you have better things to do than uh, than listen to a, a guy like me talk about sports. But uh, I, I, I lament my golf game quite often, even though I had a good round today. Um, are, are you, like, a, a pretty good player? And, and I guess I would also ask you if you played while you were in the NHL or if you got into golf more uh, after your playing days ended. Oh, no, I played uh, played lots of golf. 
when I was playing and, geez, uh, when I was coaching, the year I was goalie coach, I had to take Fierzy out for rounds of golf between games in the playoffs. That was one of my jobs. <laughs> it was a tough one. <laughs> that was part of being a goalie coach for Greg Fuhr, was taking him golf. <laughs> exactly. I didn't have to teach him much. Just <laughs> just keep it between the freaking fairway outlines, and that is it. <laughs> Where would you guys play? Oh, we played. You know what? It was funny. When we were on the road is when Grant really wanted to play, and we played a ton of really good golf courses. Of course, he had uh, he had the ends to get on the mall. I was just hanging around for uh, chaperoning. Well, was anybody, were any other players that you ever played with, e- even, you know, from Grant's era or other eras, were any of them even close to as good as Grant? Because I, I, he, he's still pretty good, but I think uh, probably going back uh, a few years, he, probably even, he was probably even better than he is now. Yeah, actually, from the Oilers, I'm not real sure. I know uh, Simmer was a really good player uh, until he screwed up his back, probably hit it as good as anybody. Um, you know what? I'm not sure. I know that there's a lot of hockey players that are freaking unbelievable players. Uh, not, I'm not being one of them, for sure. I just kind of hack and whack with uh, 18 or 15 to 18s, and uh, it's all fun. Now what's uh, what's the course like in Dauphin? Hey, it's a sweet little golf course, man. If you ever get out this way, if anybody's listening ever gets out this way, you should go out and play it. It's uh, kind of a hidden gem. If you hit it off the fairway, you're not going to find your ball. Other than that, uh, it's not long. Uh, the greens are the size of a dime, and some of them are a little smaller than that. And uh, pretty good test of golf. All right, that sounds fun. Well, someday, some year, I'll do a cross Canada golf tour. That that's a dream of mine, and I'll I'll hit off and for sure. Ron Lowe joining us then at Inside Sports. So it's August twenty seventh. When you were a head coach, were you already in the thick of preparation for training camp? When would that really get going for you? And summer kind of ended. Oh, hundred percent. We would start usually. Start by pretty much the meetings always started the uh, 5th, 6th of uh, August. Uh, then talk about your rookie camp and rookies and who is going to be there. Oh, yeah, August is pretty much, end of July is the end of the summer almost. I mean, we still got uh, chances to go golf and do things like that. But, it uh, yeah, your nose started... Uh, sniffing the air and thinking it was starting to cool off at nights and uh, that's pretty much hockey weather you know ron it's interesting because in in my job I, I i attend the rookie camps or sometimes there's that tournament in penticton and you see the new draft picks play a game or two uh in the past sometimes the Oilers rookies have played the u of a and i know it's always exciting to see a player get two goals and two assists or deliver a few big body checks and I always kind of think to myself as a media guy, well, okay, but, but let's see him again in two years. <laughs> how, yeah. how did coaches approach rookie camps? Well, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because I, I remember back to Slatsy's days, and we had a rookie camp, and uh, Kelly Buckberger was one of the rookies that, the year we talked about it and that I'm talking about. And, and Bucky kind of... Didn't impress at camp, but showed this unbelievable work ethic. 
And I'll never forget sitting with slaps in the stands, and he goes, you know what? He says, I think that kid's going to make it. He said, not a high draft pick, but watch him. And you just watch him. And, you know, it's funny, but that's what sticks out most of the time in, in these uh, rookie camps. You know there's going to be your stars are there, and they always look pretty damn good. Uh, but you, you're looking for that uh, that dark horse, the guy that is going to probably step into your lineup as a, maybe a fourth, maybe a third, and hopefully get better than that. And uh, Slats is amazing. Looking at it, uh, picked Bucky out of a pack of I don't know how many guys were there that day, or for the four days we had rookie camp. And, yeah, that was it. Okay, two things come to mind from what you said. I'll, I'll ask them to you one at a time. And uh, I actually can't remember who said this to me, but it would have been at one of the Penticton tournaments where the Oilers' young guys played uh, the young guys from, what, Vancouver, Calgary, and, and Winnipeg, I guess. And I, I was talking to somebody with the Oilers organization about some of the, the skilled guys they drafted and what do you expect and how good do you think they're going to be. And, and f- I think I was maybe being a little long-winded. And finally, this individual looked at me and said, Reed, you know what I'm going to count over the next three games? Not points. How many puck battles can they win? Yeah. Yeah. And really, that's, <laughs> that's probably where they're looking right now at rookie camp again. I mean, your skill level is where it has to be on the hockey club, even as we speak. The question is, can we win the puck battles in uh, line three and four and half a two? And that's exactly where it goes. I also remember Jerry, I was talking to Jerry Fleming, who used to coach the farm team, about a couple of players. And there was a there was a player who was you know getting to be 21 or 22, so a little a little older as you would understand to be in the rookie camps. I mean, you kind of got to be doing you know what or getting off the pot by that point, right? And, and Jerry said to me, "Reed, this guy has a lot of skill, but he doesn't have a screw you attitude." He said, "To play in the NHL, you have to line up across from the other guy, and even if you're in game five and your opponent is in game 800 of his career, you have to think to yourself, screw you, buddy. I'm better than you. You know, Brad Marchand or... Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that yeah. is that something young players have to... Do they have to learn that attitude, or do some guys have it and some don't? Well, you know what? I, I think you either got it or you don't. I, I think it's a tough thing to learn. I know that uh, if you if watching the Oilers this last year... Yamamoto stood out to me as one of those guys that says, you know what, doesn't matter what size is, doesn't matter anything else, but if we're having a puck battle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to the limit with you every time. And you know what, he's small, he gets hurt a little bit because of it, but you can't, in the end, you won't beat those kind of guys. Long term, they end up with jobs for an awful long time in the NHL. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Yamamoto. He's going to be interesting to watch this upcoming season. If, if, if his uh, if his stats bounce back a little bit, he's going to be an important member of the team. I, I know you and I uh, we we talked on a on one of our pregame shows. Uh, I think late in the regular season, and uh, you were pretty impressed with Mike Smith. And then the Oilers go into the postseason and were surprisingly swept with three losses in overtime, and Hellebuck's save percentage was 950. I think Winnipeg had the lead in that series for less than 20 minutes and still got a sweep. Uh, I mean, man, it was it was so disappointing. Like, I, like I don't want to 
disrespect Winnipeg, but I thought Hellebuck was was huge. I, I mean, I'm just wondering how you look at that one, Ron, that the Oilers were so close in all four games but couldn't win one. Um, in the end, I think that uh, Hellebuck was probably the difference, and it's definitely not because Smitty played bad. It's the other guy made uh, unbelievable saves when when it was all on the line. I think there were some, probably some real glaring errors on our end of it that caused a lot of our goals. And those, lots of times your goaltender can't make up for. Hallibuck made his saves off of things that he should make saves on and a couple of 10 bellers. And usually, if you get that kind of a performance, you're gonna you're gonna be pretty happy. But I thought the Oilers were were by. I mean, and I'm not disrespecting Winnipeg. I'm just saying what I saw on TV. I thought the Oilers were the better team in every game, every game in the series. Ron Lowe, former Oilers coach, assistant coach, goaltender, joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Always enjoy talking uh, hockey with Ron. Do you think Hyman's the answer to round out the... Uh, I mean, maybe, look, maybe that's a stupid question, Ron, but i got to get your perspective. Like, is, is that the guy that truly rounds out the top six and gives both McDavid and uh, and Dreisaitl the opportunity to have complimentary players on their line? Because, you know, maybe Nugent Hopkins goes back to playing with... Uh, with Dreisaitl or, you know, we'll see where Pugliarvi fits in. But is that ultimately the missing piece in the top six, or do you think they need a little bit more there? I I thought Hyman was the the grab of the unrestricted free agents. I thought he was the, I said, probably halfway through the Toronto series against Montreal. And the the thing that impressed me most about him is I never watched a game that Toronto played, that Hyman played in, that Smith wasn't totally pissed off at him by the end of the game. Now that, to me, is exactly where the kid will fit into our lineup. There's got to be some some ugly grit in front of the opposition's net that says, sorry, you're not going to move me, and I'm going to be in the goaltender's eyes. And to me, he did that every game with Toronto against Edmonton. Well, and maybe that Warren Fogle can do that as well. I mean, he's not the finisher that, that, that Hyman is, but it sounds like he takes the puck to the net with speed. You, but you're right. I mean, Brownie and I talk about that all the time. The Oilers don't have enough annoying players, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. Well, no, and, like, I think they address that situation. I really do. I think that... I think Hyman's going to be really good for them. If I'm wrong, you know, I'm sure they'll have people calling me and and correcting me, but um, I do. I think he was the best player available in the draft and that the Oilers got him and that he actually wanted to come to Edmonton is awesome. All right, Ron. We we brought. I originally got in touch with you yesterday because uh, I I saw the uh, the hockey helps the homeless account on Twitter put out this uh the mustard seed prize raffle oilers experience so when we're done i'm going to tweet out a link to this raffle because it is going on until september 17th but i know people want to jump in on it uh you have a chance to win uh, an oilers alumni experience you can win customized oilers jerseys you can get lower bowl tickets to a game you can get a signed paul coffee jersey there's there's other stuff as well you can go to hockeyhelpsthehomeless.com remind everybody ron because this is a, a long-standing affiliation for you 
and I know one you're proud of. Remind us of how you got involved with Hockey Helps the Homeless and why it continues to mean something to you. Well, uh, first of all, Linda and myself uh, feel like we're very fortunate to have lived the lives we have. Um, probably, <laughs> except for um, a little bit of luck and uh I don't know. A lot of things have to fall into place to be um, successful, I guess, and a lot of things can go bad to put you in a homeless state. Um, you don't ha- you don't have to be uh, a drunk or on drugs to be uh, homeless. You can lose your job, and if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's damn easy to end up in that situation. So, uh, yeah, pretty dear to our heart. Um, I, I think, you know, looking actually around the rink in Edmonton, if you leave after a game and you've sat there and you've been pretty cozy in your in your seat and probably had a couple of beers and, and you're leaving the arena and you drive out of the rink, you can, you can see a, the reason that uh, a lot of people are involved with the homeless act in Edmonton because when it's 30 below and you're sitting out beside a round barrel, uh, trying to get warm, it, it's ugly, and uh, I we really missed this year having our our uh, hockey helps the homeless hockey tournament. Uh, we missed it big time because uh, obviously of COVID, but we raised uh, almost three hundred thousand last year for the mustard seed and Jasper Place Wellness Center, and that's money that they didn't get this year. So we're, we're just trying to, to really keep the players that were involved with us in that Hockey Helps the Homeless program. We want to keep them involved because next year, I don't know if it's going to be in April or May, we're definitely coming back and we're going to have the tournament again. Uh, and we're just trying to fill in gaps right now. And, and it's, it's the package, the two packages are up for raffle are awesome. I mean, I know you you went to basically the Edmonton Oiler one, and at the end of that one, there's a dinner and show for 10 at the River Cree uh, Resort. These people have supported us the whole time, and, and we really appreciate their support. And then when you do the golf package, uh, we have a foursome at the Legends Golf Course. Um, a hockey helps a homeless swag bag, which is uh, filled with all kinds of things. Prime rib dinner for 20 at the Canadian Brew House, which is an awesome. They've jumped on board with us in a, in a pretty substantial way. Uh, you get a 20 tickets to the Edmonton Oil Kings game and uh, a signed Darnell Nurse jersey. Uh, then the last and final thing is a flat screen TV from our good buddies at the Brick have supported us like unbelievably through this whole thing. Uh, every year we get something, and we're we're looking forward to selling some tickets on this thing for sure. Yeah, it's it's great, and thanks for thanks for elaborating on the package because I just kind of did the Coles notes there again. I'm going to tweet out the the link to the page, and people can go to the uh, hockeyhelpsthehomeless.com or go through the mustard seed, the seed.ca, and look into all this stuff as well. Ron, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You're a great storyteller. I always learn something about hockey when we talk, and I also learn something about where to golf in Manitoba tonight. Hope you have a great <laughs> round over the weekend. Yeah. Okay, buddy. You take care of yourself and have a good one. 
That is the one and only Ron Lowe. Always a pleasure to talk to him. So, yeah, I'm going to throw out this uh, this tweet to the raffle. Uh, it's you can get tickets now. It goes until September 17th, and uh, Ron outlined some of the prizes. It's it's pretty incredible. Hockey helps the homeless. Yeah, I love chatting with Ron Lowe. Always great memories. Always great perspective on uh, the current edition of the Edmonton Oilers and the National Hockey League. Man, he loves the Zach Hyman edition that the Oilers made at free agency. Final minute of the first half, Friday night football, close game. Hamilton up 13-10 on the Montreal Alouettes and the baseball game is making sure I got the current score. Still 1-1 Jays and Tigers in the top of the seventh. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. For most of us crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone and for the survivors the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.